Yeah, okay, let's let's get into this. Right, I'm, I'm this. excited to talk about this one. Okay. All right. Uh, welcome to Justice Losers, a podcast where we talk about... Ooh, mine, you can tell I'm excited. Let's try this again. <laughs> welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host... Batman. I want to add an addendum to that. And games. It's going to be a little bit of game in the news. Ah, that's the thing that you're excited about. Some of the things. That's just oh, one of the okay. things. Okay. Uh, Matt, <laughs> uh, what should people check out? Um, well, I guess I'm back to people check out our Twitter. We got one of those, and we mostly forget it exists because no one ever posts anything there or yeah, follows us or does anything. I still, Tweeted us. I still get, I think I will get notifications when people follow us. <laughs> no one has followed us, so I cannot put that theory to the test. <laughs> I would love to, but I don't think my phone has space to enable the Twitter app, so. <laughs> if we get a follower, I will post a tweet. Yeah, there I will, we go. I will Twitter tweet. That's the rules. I Twitter twat a Twitty twat. Ooh, no, that last one was uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yep. Matt, what have you been up to? Well, I've been up to a couple things. Uh, I finished reading Stardust, which is a book by Neil Gaiman, which I'm only mentioning here because there's a movie, which I haven't seen yet, but okay. well, uh, It's kind of sort of weird alternate fantasy. Um, it's about a guy who lives in normal England, but there's a wall that crosses into the land of fairy. Where there's lots of fantasy stuff. Interesting. Does wait? Okay, the wall. Is it like the wall goes like it runs into it, or there's a wall kind of like separating? There's them? a wall kind of separating. Separate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so he goes in there uh, because he sees a star fall somewhere over the wall, and the girl he's in love with says that she'll marry him if he brings her back the star. So he goes on an adventure to go. You know, find you the had star. a really good opportunity to just keep going on the all uh, rhyming thing there. Oh, there's a star fall on the end of the end of the wall. Then his friend Paul had the gall to go to the mall. <laughs> what a crawl! <laughs> no ball, singular. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, is that uh, a is that a graphic or a novel? Is, is it's just a, a it's just, just a novel. novel. Just, yeah, <laughs> reading books are for nerds. <laughs> I spit um, everywhere yeah like I, a sprinkler system yep ew i'm glad i'm on the other side of the couch i didn't like it as much as i was kind of hoping to the pacing was a little messy and it felt like he was he would occasionally get a little wrapped up in the world building okay and then never really go anywhere beyond that how long is the book and or how many books are in the series it's one single standalone book as far as i know that's two to three hundred pages yeah then i can see why that would suffer because i feel like mm -hmm. if you develop this world enough you're going to want to put it all in there right but if you just have a 200 300 almost said word book if 200 <laughs> 300 words you are not fitting a world in that uh if you have 200 300 pages of just one book you you're gonna lose your you're gonna lose your story in the world right so part of the problem is he has to devote so much time to world building because it is kind of a unique world. There's a lot of subversive takes on fantasy. I tropes. actually have that exact problem. Mm -hmm. In uh, when Nick and I started off working on Ross, which mm -hmm. if you have any new listeners, remotely new listeners, no one knows what that is. Nope. <laughs> uh, Nick and I are writing a detective graphic novel that we've been working on. Uh, when we started off, like I was getting so in depth with just everything about this guy mm -hmm. like literally what his grades were in school mm -hmm. um that it was just it was becoming it was becoming tedious for everyone else and right. i was even starting to be like 
where's the story in this? Like, at some when point will becomes, this come out? Yeah, at some yeah. point it becomes world building for world building's sake. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I think he does legitimately need to develop this world because, like I said, it's it's subversive and it does some interesting things. Mm-hmm. But then the problem is, okay, you have 300 pages. It, if you have any story at all, then you're not going to have enough world building for it to feel like a very fleshed out world. But yeah. you're also going to have too much for it to feel like a decent story. Something I've always kind of thought of is that uh, I love, I mean, obviously I love world building. Um, oh, yeah. And I would like to, I, I'm doing this with my D&D campaign. There's my watch I've been up to is I've just been yep. still trucking on that campaign. Is <laughs> um, I've got this world, this huge world, and my campaign only takes place in one chunk of it. Right. And I want to be able to put all these different campaigns in the same world. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that kind of applies to everything that if you have a story, um, like, okay, uh, Lord of the Rings is a, is a good example of doing this well, mm-hmm. where you have this world and you have all these different stories that happen in the same thing. Right. Um, but I think you want to make it mesh well so that like the world doesn't just do the same fucking thing every time. Right. And also you, but you also don't want to just keep putting the same story or not the same. Uh, you keep, don't want to keep putting stories in the same world. Right. Because then the world is just like, Hey, we had aliens invade us 20 years ago mm-hmm. and now we're having an uprising of zombies. <laughs> and now there's this one guy who's doing this one thing that's going to destroy the entire world if we don't stop him. And look, aliens again. <laughs> that sounds like comic books. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Shit keeps happening to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think Earth has four Green Lanterns? <laughs> you're like why why this particular planet like people don't really do anything they just sort of sit there it just really makes you think about what other planets have to face yeah <laughs> just some real shit yep okay so yep was it, it so it was, was it was it? it was okay it was it's enjoyable it's well written and it's okay. got a lot of fun stuff uh but i think there's some clear imperfections yeah the the pacing gets really wonky because uh, like the start of the adventure and there's like a prologue and then there's like the actual adventure story mm-hmm. which starts out and it does kind of like day by day and then suddenly it breaks into like a chapter where it just goes through months at a time oh wow and then it slows way back down again and then it pulls back again to do like a really long time frame has he ever done stuff in film um that sounds like a film thing where you do a montage scene but it does not work in a book Right, that might be it. And I in hear... his music, he was playing like uh, one thousand miles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure he's probably co-written because he's written so much stuff. I'm sure mm-hmm. he's been involved in writing okay. uh, movies before. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's pretty good. And I will yeah. inform you how the movie is when I get around to seeing that, which will probably be a couple weeks because okay. I'm gonna be out of town this weekend. Yeah, but um, yeah, pretty good. Okay. If it, if it sounds interesting, check it out. If not, don't. I mean, I guess that generally goes for everything. We don't get paid by Neil Gaiman, so we're not really implied or in uh, in required. I guess sure is an easy word to say. Required. In required. Huh? In, in required. In required. We're not in required to. That's the new uh, uh, plexicon. The new yes. word for our plexicon. New word for a plexicon, which we can't remember the old ones. Although we can't I'm remember sure any we can of go them. Back I remember we remember plexicon. Episodes. Yep, that's something. <laughs> Someone wants to compile all of the stupid bullshit words we've come up with. And tweet it at us. And tweet it at us. There we go. Yeah. Call back. Tie it in. Um, you know, we're not paid by house. So we're not required to actually tell you to go watch it or listen to it or read it. Any of those apply. Yeah, no, you, you can, can find the, the audio book. Sure. Audible. Home yeah. of 1,800 books. Uh, pay us. Here we go. This has been your weekly Audible ad that will never return again. Um, 
Uh, okay. Yeah. No. I mean, that's what I. I you heard what I've been up to, just working yep. on my campaign. Yep. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Critical Role, uh-huh. uh, which is uh, voice actors that do that played D and D. If you have ever played a video game or have watched any sort of animated show, you've absolutely heard all of their voices. Okay. Uh, Matt Mercer, Laura Bailey, uh, Sam Regal. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's his name? Travis Weathersworth. <laughs> That's not <laughs> I don't it. Know. No, but these these guys um have been in so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Matt Mercer. I mean, I think several of them were in Overwatch. People were in like Far Cry stuff. Like, I mean, and um, they have guests on that are big actors. They had uh, Carrie. Uh, like the K H A R Y. If you look up that name, you will find him. Uh, he played mm-hmm. uh, Ezekiel in Walking Dead, and he also plays Cyborg in uh, Teen, the old Teen Titans and the new Teen Titans okay. Go. Um, yeah, no, it's really it's really funny. It's hilarious. Uh, I'm ten episodes in in the second campaign, and I am unhealthily attached to the characters. <laughs> uh, and I think I mean so are they. Uh, they're at like sure. episode 20 now. It's a weekly thing. Their first campaign went for 130 something episodes. I think it's a lot of episodes. It's and weekly. Wow. It's five years <laughs> of weekly doing it and they just develop their characters and it's, it's engaging and it's hilarious and it's emotional. And, uh, Laura Bailey's character is adorable as fuck. Uh, <laughs> she's just kind of this little, little tiefling girl that is a prankster. Her name is Jester, and she also is, like, really sad and kind of innocent. Mm-hmm. And, like, anything that happens where she gets, like, kind of shut down, she just kind of high-pitched voice just kind of gets sad. Aww. It's it's really funny. <laughs> but, I mean, that's not funny. That's sad. Anyway, I highly recommend it. Critical Role. It's really good. All right. Um, Check that out. Moving into news. Uh, Hold on. I wanted to talk about Better Call Saul a little bit. Oh, okay. Because season three came up on Netflix a month or so ago, and... Mm-hmm. So I rewatched the entire show because I couldn't really remember what happened in the first season. Uh, and so I'm now all the way caught up through the end of season three. And man, is that show just the perfect prequel. Call ahead reference to what we'll be talking about later this episode. Um, <laughs> Preston forgot to start the time. <laughs> man, I thought this was going really well, I'm too. I'm worse That's at so this. so weird. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, Better Call Saul, it's um it, it's the perfect prequel because Breaking Bad was this iconic, almost mythic show. Mm-hmm. And Better Call Saul says, "Yeah, there's no way we're going to be able to compete with that. If we try to do the same thing, we are going to end up feeling like a cheap knockoff of our own property." Yeah. So they go in a completely different direction basically, but still bringing back a lot of the same characters. Mm-hmm. And it's like a different tone and it's really fun. It's very well made. Did it focus on politics at all? Uh, not really. It's I'm mostly... really hoping you would say yes, because it'd be like, hey, prequels! Uh, Call forward. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this will be really funny the second time you listen to this episode. <laughs> As if. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's really fun, because it, it finds different ways to use tension, because there's sort of the prequel trap of, for example, in Solo, in one of the trailers, you see they're on a train and Chewie's hanging precariously off the side and Han's trying to pull him back. But there's like a rock that's jutting out. No, no, Willie pulled Chewie back in time. No one cares. We don't feel the tension. So what Better Call Saul yeah. does is 
it uses characters it uses like your built-up knowledge of the characters from breaking bad Mm -hmm. uh to use that entire history and so uh for example one really interesting way it does that is uh one point at the very end of the first episode um the main character knocks on a door and it opens up and you don't see who's inside you just see a gun pointed at his head and he gets pulled inside and a guy sticks his head out and it's a character from breaking bad that you recognize and you're like oh this is gonna end badly it's a hitman dude isn't it no oh nope no such luck although he's in it yeah i know he's yeah in it. <laughs> he's in it a lot he's he, he kind of goes down his own sort of divergent but occasionally crossing paths plot that sets up a lot of the stuff for breaking mm-hmm. bad too so there is some like actual similarities between yeah. the two um okay. but it, so it and like we know that both of those characters are going to end up fine but there's other characters involved in the situation you don't really know what's going to happen because there's a lot of backstory missing between the two shows mm-hmm. that we just don't know anything about so it's a different kind of tension okay or like there's a hilarious scene in season three that's both hilarious but really tense where a character is sitting uh in a in a restaurant and you see someone in the background out of focus and if you've seen breaking bad you know who it is and the music kind of builds to this eerie crescendo it, nothing ever happens but it's a great way to introduce the character because it's relying on this oh, built it's up like, history it's like future two-face isn't it yeah is, it, is that who it is is it future two-face in the back no oh man Yes, it is. It is? Because <laughs> I figured based on restaurant. Yeah. But, yeah, that's kind of... So it's, it's really cool to, to see all that. And then... Future Two-Face. And then it doesn't concern itself with trying to set up the the future movies or unnecessarily tie-in. The tie-ins feel really organic because it's mm-hmm. just like, here's this character. Let's tell a story about him. And he's sort of a shady guy, so he's going to get involved with some stuff on the wrong side of the law. And that involves Mike Ermintrout, who's the hitman guy. And it'll involve some of the people in the drug trade that are necessarily a big part of Breaking Bad. Yep. But it feels really organic because it's definitely trying to tell its own unique story and not trying to tell the pre-story for Breaking Bad itself. That is awesome. Yeah. I might actually go check it out. Yeah, because it's... It, it's it, it, and it, it does the, the great thing of Breaking Bad because it's like the same creators. It it has the great thing where not only is it just a fantastically written great characters and stuff, but it's really visually interesting. They have lots of fun camera angles mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, there's a scene early on in season three that just really stuck out of me. It's like a seven-minute sequence of Mike, and he figures that some people are tracking him. And so it's basically this dialogue-free seven-minute scene of him trying to figure out how they're tracking him and then trying to figure out who's tracking him and then trying to like get the drop on them. And it's no dialogue, but it's it's just shot and organized and blocked and set up and acted in this way that you understand exactly what's going on. Yeah. And it's, it's really masterful. It's very efficient and very beautiful work. Masterful, so, efficient, and beautiful. Yes. Might be the best show on TV, although when Daredevil Season 3 comes out, we'll see about that. Okay. Uh, Can we jump into news? Let's jump into news. You're excited about news. Uh, So for the next three weeks, you will be hearing a lot of video game news from me. Mm -hmm. Uh, For people who don't know, I am a video game nerd. I very much enjoy video games. For people Uh, who don't know, I don't know much at all about video games. He knows jack shit about video games. Approximately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, in two weeks, uh, actually, actually, no, not two weeks, in about ten days, E3 begins. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you know what E3 is? It's a big video game 
like yes. Comic Con type thing. Uh, it, it's the video game Comic Con. Right. Uh, every year, it's when all the uh, all the pr- uh, development company or developers mm-hmm. come out and they say, "Hey, these are the video games that are coming out this year." Or if they're really assholes, they're like, "Hey, these are the video games that we're working on are coming out in six years." <laughs> Fuck. I hate when people do that. Yeah. Um, so for the next two episodes, I will be talking about news and things and teasers that have been dropping. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, we might... I'm actually going to talk to you about this. I'm petitioning that we do an episode purely on video game news. Okay. Um, because that will be the episode after we E3. All right. When all of the things are officially out. I will sit here and make silly <laughs> references that don't make I, sense and ask dumb questions. I might... Grab a uh, another uh, guest. That makes sense. Guest co-host. I mean, I'll keep you on it, okay, so that you can learn things and also and ask keep, dumb questions and ask dumb questions exactly. Uh, but for the sake of having a conversation, I might have someone who <laughs> that seems fair knows video <laughs> games. Um, I would like to start off with the biggest news that came out that started yesterday. Uh, Bethesda, who is mm-hmm. the uh, developer behind the Fallout series and the uh, Elder Scrolls series, which are two of my favorite series. Mm-hmm. It's my second and third favorite series. Okay. Come on, Assassin's Creed. Let's be fucking honest. Right. Um, they released a small video thing that was just the Fallout, uh, like the 40s mm-hmm. video thing that said, please stand by, which everyone was like, fuck, what does this mean? <laughs> um, we have gone, uh, everyone who's played it has, has gone through every single uh, theory about what this means, uh, if this means a new game's coming out, because they do have a tendency to just be like, hey, game's coming out like next month. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they did when they, their very first appearance at E3 was just like, Hey, Fallout 4 is coming out in three months. <laughs> Go pre-order it. And everyone's like, what? That's fun. Um, but, uh, uh, okay. For the people who do know what Fallout for, what Fallout is, um, we expected that it was either, it was either going to be New Vegas 2, um, or it was going to be, um, these were my, these were my potential ones actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was going to be either a big deal, a huge DLC downloadable content right. for the people who don't know, uh, for the most recent game. The reason I say it's huge is because they have DLC already for that game, but uh, they haven't actually promoted it with the extent that they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, promote putting a teaser and then a trailer uh, for, a video, uh, for a DLC isn't common. So that's why right. I said it was a huge one. Either a big mobile app mm-hmm. that might actually have more story to it than the Fallout Shelter, which was actually very fun, but it was it got stagnant after a while. Um, or it was a brand new game, which was, is something that I didn't, I don't really expect to have happened. Uh, it was seven years between Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. New Vegas came out in 20, mm, I'm gonna get this wrong, 2010, I think. I want to say, sure I'm going to say either 2010 or 2011. I'm probably entirely wrong on that. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fact check it while I All keep right. talking. Keep fact checking. Um, but whatever the time was that Fallout uh, New Vegas came out, uh, the distance has happened between when 3 and 4 came out. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of expecting a New Vegas uh, um, sequel, which mm-hmm. would have been amazing because New Vegas was one of the best. 2010! Nailed it! Perfect. Um, New Vegas is easily the best game okay. of the series. Um, unfortunately, the Obsidian, who is the... Uh, co-developers of it said they had nothing to do with the game mm-hmm. so that was squashed however uh it has just been confirmed uh by insider that fallout 3 remastered has been uh is going to happen which is super exciting okay um and today they came out with the trailer for the uh, this new fallout thing right. 
and it's Fallout 76. Uh, if you watch the trailer, it is just uh, kind of cutting through a vault. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've watched it. I have watched it. You did really? It's on my news. No shit. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I know more about it than you do. Yep. That's for darn sure. Uh, I was hoping you'd talk about it. It's just cutting through the cutting through the vault, and it's just someone saying like, "Hey, new life in Vault 76." So, my three theories are: it's either a huge DLC that you can play, maybe as a different character uh, in Fallout 4, starting in Vault 76. It's a uh, it's a game that starts in 76, uh, or mobile game that starts in 76, or it's I texted I texted for my my other friend Matt what my theory was. Mm-hmm. Hang on, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back. I'm talking. I'm talking so that it's not just weird. Uh, uh, I can totally save you and talk about something, but that's what it is. Uh, or it's the be- the begin they're beginning their promotional campaign for a new full blown game, which right. won't come out for maybe another year. Right. Um. Maybe they're just develop. Maybe they're just pumping up their um their panel at E3. Which mm-hmm. is very possible. Oh, sure. Bethesda is, Bethesda is not an asshole about things, so they mm-hmm. wouldn't do this and just be like, look at this amazing Vault 76 mobile game for free. And everyone's like, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's kind of what I expect that to be. Is mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm placing my bet on the DLC, but I would much rather it be uh, promotional material for their new game. Okay. Um, it could be an entire game based, or like where you stay in the vault. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that. There's only so much you can do being inside a vault, right? Naturally, it's a vault. It's a vault. Um, so that's that news. Uh, okay. Currently, uh, this is kind of the thing that I was gonna. I've been jumping all around because this just this was just a a spree of news and theories mm-hmm. and everything that happened. Uh, you can save twenty percent on Fallout seventy six on PS four, Xbox One, and PC. It is not going to be a mobile game. Okay. Because you can do, you can say, right. so it's going to be a full blown game, like revealed their, okay, so here's, here's this article. This morning, Bethesda revealed their new game, Fallout 76, with the teaser above, then promptly told us nothing about it. Yeah. Naturally, <laughs> this led to theories and speculation about the game spreading like wildfire. What is 76? Is it a survival RPG? Is it some sort of building sim? Inquiry, my inquiries, inquiring minds want to know. Well, we know, what we know for sure is that more details are forthcoming on June 10th during Bethesda Land, which is their, their mm-hmm. panel. Uh, we also know that the game is already on pre-order via Amazon for 20% discount for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh-huh. Um, while I talk, I'm just going to casually go ahead and fucking pre-order that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally going to go pre-order Fallout 76 right now. All right. Um, but no, so that's that's the biggest news. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other news that was on my phone, but my phone is actually currently on Amazon pre-ordering this okay. fucking game. I'll talk about some other news. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, do you want some Zack Snyder news? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> don't worry, it's not a superhero thing, sort of. Okay. Uh, his next project is apparently going to be an adaptation of the Fountainhead for the screen. Fountainhead? The Fountainhead. Have you heard of it? No. It's a pretty famous Ayn Rand novel from the 40s, about an architect okay. who's kind of a... i was super nervous for a second there that you were going to be like it's a super famous dc character to be like fuck <laughs> it is <laughs> no 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 it's like an actual novel and um ayn rand is like a sort of a political philosopher intellectual slash occasional crazy person okay and so uh it's a it, it's got a lot of interesting ideas um i was one of those people who read it when i was 15 and got really into it and wanted to be an architect and then 
grew up a little bit and realized that was a little silly. Mm-hmm. But it's got some interesting ideas. And not I'm silly. not entirely sure how I feel about this because Zack Snyder is at his best when he's got cool visual stuff to adapt. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not entirely sold on his ability to do ideas because Watchmen is a little... Um, I just want to say this 20% discount on Prime is fucking bullshit. It's not 20%. Because the full price is sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. After tax, it's fifty-two dollars. Now, and that is roughly maybe twenty percent. Twenty percent isn't well. Twenty percent as much when you're at sixty dollars. Yeah, that's twenty percent is twelve dollars off. Yeah, so forty-eight plus tax that should work out to about fifty-two. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> I'm dead serious though. Like for the people who don't believe me, I'm literally on Amazon purchasing yep. Fallout is. 76 right now. He is indeed. I, see I love this game. Yeah, this is legit. Uh, but anyway... Oh, no, don't deliver to that address. I won't be living there anymore. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so I think it's at least interesting because he's also kind of touched on the periphery of some sort of Randian ideas uh-huh. in some of his stuff. Um, some of his concepts around the character of Superman sort of play into that. Okay. And Watchmen... This was the 40s? Plays with that. It's written in the 40s, yeah. Written in the 40s? Okay. Um it's, I mean, it's it, it's very much its own thing. It's separate from pretty much any other property. But Whoa. Interesting. It releases on December 31st. Hmm. That's not a thing that normally happens. Games, the biggest games release in October, November. That's when the fiscal year restarts. And that's right. when they typically, they either want to end it on a fiscal year or they want to start their fiscal year strong. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Zack Snyder, Fountainhead. We'll see. I think there's definitely worse things for him to be doing, like superhero movies at like, the moment. Like, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's straight adaptations, in which case Watchmen's pretty good. Uh, let's see. I have a uh, uh, news that uh, Andrew Lincoln will no longer be on The Walking Dead after season nine. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. So. That is the main character. That's Rick. Okay. That's Rick. That's the Rick. The Rick. The Rick. Uh, so that's actually kind of interesting. They killed off carl spoiler alert i mean (laughs) if you are not watching walking dead and you care about spoilers good fucking luck because like the world blows up when something happens yep like i immediately found out when carl died Mm -hmm. like everyone posted it on facebook and i was like uh (laughs) so they they seem to be killing off all of the original Mm-hmm. people except for daryl i don't think they have the balls to kill daryl <laughs> you, you don't even watch walking dead and surely yeah, you've heard of he daryl yeah <laughs> okay so that's news that's news um there is a rumor that apparently they're looking at penguin for the villain of the that Batman is at the very top movie. of my thing yep thoughts mm, i have thoughts i don't they're not collect because i just found this out i okay. don't have them collected uh, if you give me a couple minutes, I might either come out with some super angry bullshit or mm-hmm. some like super supportive okay. speech. In the meantime, I'll say that I'm pretty on board with this. I think it's a good place to start because he's not like a massive superpowered world ending threat. He's more yeah. of a crime boss type threat that's uh, it's lower stakes. So it can be a more intimate, interesting story, I think. So it's a good place to start, I feel like. You know what? I will give every DC movie a pass. I say this all the time. <laughs> I will give every DC a movie a pass, including Green Lantern. Okay. If they do my theor- my my what I proposed about they do for a Batman movie, mm-hmm. where it's from the perspective of Penguin building his empire, mm-hmm. but there's just Batman that fucks people up and it's like a psychological horror. 
That could be really fun, yeah. Because, like, honestly, the penguin. So the thing about the penguin is he doesn't. Act, he hardly gets involved directly. Right. Um. I mean, Batman shows up in his window, crouching like a fucking vulture almost, mm-hmm. and like screams at him. And then he's like, "I'm innocent at the moment. I'm just um, a fat little penguin man. I'm a fat little penguin man." <laughs> um. <laughs> you can you can tell that I'm getting my voices prepared for DMing oh, yes. for D and D. Oh yes. Um. But he he hardly ever actually gets involved and try to he, he definitely tries not to fight Batman hand in hand. He knows he will yeah. lose and he knows he'll his long his he knows that his long nose will get broken sideways. Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um so this will be a lot of like Batman probably just taking down gangbangers and right causing severe brain trauma to people who probably just got sucked into the wrong crowd. Yeah, probably. Get Batman, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Uh, speaking of psychological horror, uh, Guillermo del Toro is producing a horror anthology series for Netflix called 10 After Midnight. 10 After Midnight. It's probably sounds like 10 original shorts or not shorts, but episodes. Okay. I like that. That sounds, yeah. I like, I like Black Mirror, which is a now a Netflix original anthology What if they all happen like right before midnight? That'd be a thing, I guess. (gasps) Oh! What if they all happen like the exact duration, like of the of the time mm-hmm. of of the thing, before midnight, and then the credits? It just shows like and like it's like the where all the movies they put the mm-hmm. title of the movie right at the very end. Mm-hmm. It just shows that, and it's like right at the time that midnight would have struck. Okay, except the whole world is dead because it's an anthology thing. He's probably gonna right. do that because horror movies. Yeah, probably. That sounds fun. Guillermo del Toro cut his teeth doing horror work, and he's very talented director and so i imagine if he's producing this he's going to put a lot of love and care into it and it should turn out really good uh-huh so excited about that um okay do you have anything else i have a couple more little things yeah, absolutely i still yeah i've still got a couple things uh apparently there's a rumor that the spin-off star wars movies that are going to be done by the game of thrones writers david benioff and wb weiss uh-huh I think it's D.B. Weiss. I think this article has it wrong. Um, apparently, those they're thinking of doing Knights of the Old Republic movies. Okay. There's some hints in Solo, some Easter eggs that apparently point in that direction, and there's some been some chatter from insiders that that might be what's happening. Yeah. Which, I guess that makes sense. Like, Game of Thrones has knights, and it's sort of an old republic, if you will. Although, more of an old monarchy, I guess. So, maybe that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Anyway. You got anything else? Uh, they uh, there's this bullshit thing going around about the Avengers Four logo. Mm-hmm. It's just Avengers Four, and it's purple. No one cares. I that absolutely is fucking bullshit because they haven't called any of their Avengers Avengers number yet. Right. So it's definitely not going to be called Avengers Four. Stop saying <laughs> it's going to be called Avengers Four. <laughs> what if it is Avengers Four though? Because it's like Avengers Fantastic Four, and they bring in the Fantastic Four. Oh, it's a a, a Vinforced stickers. <laughs> Event 4 stickers. <laughs> Calling it. Avengers 4 is called Event 4 stickers. Man, they're really banking on that deal going through soon. Because that movie comes out <laughs> less than a year. Yeah. <laughs> They've already filmed it and everything. It's like Comcast ends up winning it and they're just like, shit. <laughs> well, gotta, Pull the backup movie. Gotta re-edit this whole thing. <laughs> Man, hope it doesn't turn out like Solo. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I have news. I'm okay. surprised you didn't bring this up. All right. Solo lost money. 
I well, am so happy about that. It did not lose money. It has m- lost money in its opening weekend. No, that's that's a, not numbers. a fair way to characterize was that. It made less than its predicted opening. It made less than Justice League made this far. Yes, that's Fucking true. Fucking suck it, Disney. <laughs> I'm uh, going to blame part of that on The Last Jedi being really divisive and turning off a lot of fans. And also, then I'm going to blame part of it on Solo not looking very good. Yeah, Solo looked terrible from the beginning. Yeah. So, not surprising. I'm sure it'll probably end up recouping its money internationally because it still made 83 million in its mm-hmm. opening weekend and even though it's like a 250 million dollar movie because of all the reshoots yeah it 500 million internationally is not that much to to make its budget back mm-hmm. so i think uh, it'll be fine it's just not going to make much money and it'll probably give the execs at disney enough pause to stop and think about what they're doing going forward yep uh fox shareholders to vote this uh, on disney merger this sun this summer Ooh, exciting. So that's going to happen. Well, I mean, there you go. There's your time. Yeah. It's summer now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Let's hope that goes through because that movie's depending on it. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. <laughs> okay, I've only got one more thing, which okay. is that uh, James Bond number 25 is officially going to have Danny Boyle directing and John Hodge writing, which is something I talked about a couple months ago when it was sort of talking about they were on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's very exciting because I think Danny Boyle is a very exciting and original director, and he specifically came out and said when they were thinking about bringing him on that he wouldn't have done it unless he got John Hodge to do it because John Hodge had this really interesting and innovative uh, take on the character and interesting story. So yep. it sounds like they've got the green light for that, and cool. we'll have a great movie. Hopefully a good send-off for Daniel Craig, unless it's so good that he decides to come back for more. Yep. Uh, last bit from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Foxx is confirmed to star in the Spawn movie. Oh, yes. I did see that. Yep. I don't know much about Spawn, so I don't really care. Neither do I. Jamie I Fox mean, I care. Because apparently Spawn's, like, really cool. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Let's talk about stuff. Stuff and things, Matt. What do you yeah. want to talk about? So I want to talk. totally your episode <laughs> today. Because I am... I know. This is it. This is a rant that I have been preparing for years and I want to get into. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to close my laptop because I didn't even make notes because I just, I have been preparing the notes for this in my head for years. I am going to derail you so hard. Please do. Because otherwise it's just going to be me talking for half an hour or whatever. And I mean, what fun. the fuck else is a podcast? <laughs> us talking for half an hour. Just us. Yeah, just us losers. losers. Not just me, loser. Yeah, just, yeah, I mean, just I, loser. Weird. Just just myself, loser. Just I am a loser. I'm a loser. I'm That's, just a loser. This is true. This is true. <laughs> anyway, today I'm going to be talking about two trilogies of movies, both of which are set uh, in the same universe as another iconic trilogy of movies, which came out between 10 and 20 years before the first, um, the, the last movie of which came out 10 to 20 years before the first of this new trilogy. So you could call them a prequel trilogy of sorts. One of them, in fact, is commonly known as the prequels. And I'm going to explain why these things are basically the exact same, but one of them is much worse. Now, can you guess which two trilogies of movies I'm talking about with me Definitely never having told you about this before. I have been, since you started talking about this <laughs> the, in this episode, I have been trying to think of different examples of prequel trilogies. Mm-hmm. I have none. I cannot think of any prequel trilogies right now. I am drawing a huge blank. I can't think of anything, probably because prequels aren't very popular, because they generally aren't very good. And also prequel trilogies are even less popular. Yeah. 
So I'm going to go ahead and say The Halflings mm-hmm. and Star Trek. Perfect. He nailed it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. In case it wasn't completely obvious, we're talking about the Star Wars prequels. So that's Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. And we are talking about the Hobbit trilogy, which I utterly loathe and I think is much worse than the Star Wars prequels. And I will explain why. Okay. So first, these are surprisingly similar trilogies. Like, once you start thinking about it, they came I don't out. I ever watched the third Hobbit. That's probably for the best. I'm pretty sure it's we have it. <laughs> in the argument for my least favorite movie I've ever seen. Really? Yeah. Really? Really. Legitimately. It wow. It is that bad. Okay. It is so appalling. Let me just... There's a scene like two minutes in because it starts with Smog going to decimate Lake Town. And he basically wipes it all out in like two or three passes of fire breath. And then Bard climbs up on this watchtower and Smog sees him. And Bard's son runs up there. And he's like, oh no, dad, what are we going to do? And so (laughs) Bard grabs like this giant arrow and... He has this giant bow, but oh no, the bow breaks. And so he, he like takes this string and he jury rigs it by resting the arrow on his son's shoulder and tying the string around the two posts and drawing it back. And in the meantime, this. in the meantime, smog is like climbing across the buildings, walking very slowly, monologuing about how he's going to come and he's going to burn them and they're all going to burn and he's going to have to watch his son burn. And he literally goes on for like a minute. Well, bard macgyvers together this stupid thing and it's just the worst thing ever and that's just the first five minutes <laughs> don't get me started on legolas jumping up the falling rocks okay which has become a meme <laughs> yeah no the other thing about that's really dumb yeah it defies all physics exactly despite how like light elves are yeah it defies all physics yeah forces come on man Jerry free body diagram i mean if he kicks hard enough he can get vertical movement let's put it this way it looks stupid and fake yeah no absolutely yeah (laughs) but yeah anyway so these i think these movies are kind of eerily similar i'm gonna do my best to defend the movies that i have so little memory of Mm -hmm. and probably will also despise with all of my being if i were to go back and watch them okay this is also partly going to be me defending the prequels too because okay i think they're genuinely just better than the Hobbit movies. But so they're, they're prequel trilogies that come out after an iconic, culture-changing, universally re- recognized as great trilogy of movies that came out 10, 20, 25 years before. Yep. Um, they both have been accused of an over-reliance on visual effects where the originals made incredible use of practical effects. Both bring back the original creator. There's kind of a difference there. Uh, Peter Jackson wasn't ever supposed to do The Hobbits. It was supposed to be Guillermo del Toro, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they brought him back after they had to fire Guillermo del Toro because of creative differences. Cause apparently making good Hobbit movies was at odds with their creative vision for the trilogy. Yeah. Uh, but George Lucas just really wanted to do this trilogy, which is part of the reason it's better. It's actually a guy with a coherent vision who knows what story he wants to tell and not a guy that the studio dragged in to do it. Cause they're like, we'll pay you several million dollars to, to crap on your own legacy. Well, what? Why did Hobbit suck so much if it already had a book that was that it was based on? What? The Hobbit. Yeah. It was based on The Hobbit. Yes. Which is well, a good book. Shouldn't it already have a good story set? Yes. Why did it suck? <laughs> Part of the problem 
is they couldn't figure out. If That's they're... not me asking you why you think it sucks. I'm asking why did it suck? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a big part of the problem is it didn't know exactly how it wanted to treat the original book. Because have you read the the Hobbit? Yeah. Okay. So you know it's it's kind of a kids book. That's what it was originally intended to Maybe be. It's forever ago. Okay. The Hobbit was intended to be a kids book originally by J.R.R. Tolkien. It, um, I think it basically developed out of some stories he would tell his kids, which is how a surprising amount of classics yeah. became things. Uh, like Frankenstein and uh, Fifty Animal- Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey and Human Centipede. Uh, 18, or no, 1964. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah all those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect classics. child stories. Tell those, to, tell those to your kids. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it definitely feels like the studio, I'm not going to blame Peter Jackson for any of this. Cause I know he's better than, better than the Hobbit. Uh, but it feels like they wanted to capture some of the spirit of the original because the action is so insanely cartoonish. I'm picturing, for example, the escape from wherever it is, those elves live and they're going down the river in barrels. Yeah. And whereas in the book, that's a nice, simple, quiet little scene uh, where they just get in the barrels and, and they sail kind of away. Down the, yeah, yeah. There's a moment of adventure where Bilbo like half drowns because he can't balance on a barrel very well because he's a little tiny hobbit trying to cling onto the outside of a barrel. Yeah. But um, in the movie, they turn it into a massive action set piece with elves trying to stop the barrels and orcs trying to to I don't know do orc stuff. I forget. I don't even remember orking. why they're there. Orking, orking. about yes. And it all turns into this massive fight, and then there's barrels, and they, like, bounce out, and then, like, hit an orc on the head, and then bounce back into the river. And so it's different from the book, but it feels like they're trying to make it sort of a kid's movie for a modern audience, whereas The Hobbit's a kid's story for a 30s audience or whatever it came out. But then they also stretch it out into three movies by drawing all these connections to the original lore and bringing in Sauron and trying to have these dark, mature themes and stuff. And it feels really conflicted. And you're making a smirk face. I did not realize how familiar I am with like that. DC. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing in something that's like lore related and then people who are familiar with it. We'll catch it mm-hmm. and like hoping that that's what makes it good. Mm-hmm. Oh fuck! Yeah, booster gold reference in but Batman versus Superman. <laughs> fuck off with that shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and okay, that's an that's an interesting story because they tell the story of like Gandalf going to face down the necromancer who turns out to be Sauron. Sauron yeah. Which okay, that's a cool, interesting story in and of itself. But do you know why it's in the original Hobbit books? No. It's a two-line throwaway to get Gandalf out of the plot so they can develop Bilbo as a character. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's literally all it is. That's what Tolkien said it is. <laughs> fuck, but they're like, fuck Mark, Mark, fuck Martin Freeman. Wow, couldn't get it out. Can't do yeah. it. You can't say it. It's he's, Mark he's and still Freeman. lovable. It's Mark and Freeman now. Yes. His name is Mark and Freeman. Okay. Uh, so it's Mark and Freeman, Benabach Cumberdick, and Matthew Mahogany, and Ewok, uh, Ewok Magoogoo. Uh, I think that's Ewok all Magellan. I could have sworn it was Magoogoo. It's my dad that said it. I know, but I could have sworn you said Magoogoo. Magellan. 
Nope, you're right. Yeah, no, it is. Because it's closer to, like, McGregor. Yeah, okay. It's not Magoo. Anyway, they're like, fuck Martin Freeman. Uh, Let's get uh, the money, dude. We pay him. Let's let's get what we can out of him. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And so, okay, I like that story. But the problem is if you try to tell this very kid story Hobbit thing and then you try to have this very Lord of the Ringsy story with all the wizards going against Sauron, it feels like two different movies that should never have been smashed together in the first place. So, do they find out that it's Sauron in The Hobbit? Yes. In the movies. In the books. Well, The the Hobbit came out before Lord of the Rings, so I don't think Sauron... Didn't Gandalf still think that Sauron was okay and... Yeah, see, it pokes holes in its own lore. Fucking hell! Yeah, messes with the continuity and everything, just like... (laughs) Because they were, like, totally good, and then Sauron was like, nah, never mind, and Gandalf was like, oh, no, I'm on a tower now! Yeah, like Darth Vader never recognizing (laughs) the droid that that he built as a child. See how the prequels do it too? They Fuck. they kind of break their own continuity. Yeah. But the prequels, they also kind of have some issues with tone too. There's it's I think it's less of an overarching issue because they're still telling like a very Star Warsy story. Uh-huh. But moment to moment they go from like slapstick jar jar humor to uh I don't know. Anakin, example. Anakin, Anakin being crying and throwing something into a right. nondescript garage and taking an oddly weird, like a weirdly long amount of time to hit the wall. Mm-hmm. Or Anakin. <laughs> that is such a vivid thing for me. <laughs> I know. Where he just throws the, the thing and it like. details. He like throws it and he's like. Clack. It's like, what the fuck? How yeah. long is that garage? <laughs> he used the force to slow it down for dramatic <laughs> effect. <laughs> no, but that, okay, let's go on a tangent here because that looks fake. And both of those movies have big issues with looking really fake. Big issues such as Jar Jar's ears. Yes. Big. Ha! <laughs> uh, ha! Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so the Star Wars, like, yeah, they'll go from something like Jar Jar stepping in poop and then... I don't know, Anakin being coerced to cut off a man's head when he's captured him. Yeah. Start of episode three. Well, okay, to be fair, I don't think that one is very dark. It doesn't right. try to be dark. Yeah. And that's where all the bullshit Jar Jar is stuff yeah. is. But, I mean, admittedly, three does have some kind of slapsticky moments. There's uh, R2-D2, like, setting the droids on fire. and. But that was at the beginning. Yeah, which, is, start, also once where, it, once which gets... is also where Anakin chops off Count Dooku's head. Oh, true. Yeah. There's Good point. Yeah, no, yeah. it does. At the beginning, it does kind of tear you around, but then it, I feel like it starts to just kind of oh, and it's like, oh, hey, Anakin's killing children. Yeah, no, that <laughs> that one it, it, it gets itself sorted out much more quickly. Panic mode. Yes, but my uh, my, my headphones came unplugged, so everything just went silent for a second. Nope. And had panic mode. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone deaf. <laughs> Hearing about the the Hobbit trilogy and the prequels too much <laughs> has permanently ruptured your eardrums. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah. So like. With the with the prequels, it's a problem from scene to scene. But with the Hobbit, it's an overarching, very fundamental thing where they didn't know what story they wanted to tell. Yeah, okay. prequels they did. They have the the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker, and at least it's coherent. At least they know exactly what story they're trying to tell. Yeah, score prequels one Hobbit negative seventy. Also, Eight. the score, the music. Mm-hmm. Yes, was very good in the prequels. Yes, it was. Still cannot cannot like stress enough how much I love Padme's ruminations. Yes, that is an absolutely beautiful piece of music. And chilling as shit when you yeah. think about the story behind it. Yeah. What's the music like in Hobbit? Who wrote it's, it? It's still Howard Shore. So just like it's still John Williams that did the score for the original. And he does have some original themes. But part of the problem is they didn't even know that this was going to be a trilogy until like just before the first movie came out. 
And so oh, it's a mess that. and they had to like re-edit the score. And so instead of it feeling like a fresh and original score, like the prequel scores actually do, they feel mm-hmm. like good music. Well, they absolutely was... are original scores. Yeah. Yeah. These ones feel like rehashed best hits of Lord of the Rings. There's a scene and this stuck out to <laughs> me when I saw the first <laughs> Hobbit in theaters. <laughs> Star Wars stories. <laughs> a little bit. But there's a there's a scene from the first Hobbit movie that stuck out to me in theaters when I saw this when I was like 15 or whatever and mm-hmm. didn't pay any attention to these sorts of things where um, the orcs have cornered the dwarves and the trees are all on fire and Thorin is going to charge at the head orc and it's a very dramatic slow motion moment and they play the Ringwraith theme. And I was like... That's not right. That's not what that's <laughs> supposed to be about. Because the original Lord of the Rings scores are really well constructed with like all these themes and leitmotifs that tie to specific characters and ideas and places. I just... You know how I take these tangents of creativity and what I wish movies would do? Mm-hmm. I just had one of those where, like, in that moment they played the Ring Ray themes and then it went to credits. Mm-hmm. And then if you're, like, familiar with that, you're like, oh, shit, the Nazgul are there. Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> And then you're like, wait, that's the stupidest thing ever. Why would the hobbits have not school? Except they do show up because they go to fight Sauron. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's another problem. The prequel scores are original great music that ties into the movie really well. Absolutely. Duel of the Fates. Oh my god, such a good song. Yes. There's a lot of great music in there. Yep. And it all feels like it fits. Whereas the Lord of the Rings or the the Hobbit, it mostly feels like Here's the best hits of Lord of the Rings played whenever some editing intern thought that the movie called for an exciting track. Yeah. And it's a mess. So there. Score. Two for the prequels. Two for the prequels. Negative 78 for The Hobbit. (laughs) What's something that you think that The Hobbit did better than the prequels? One thing. Devil's Advocate. I have genuinely been trying to think about this, and I cannot come up with anything. The, the, The prequels have, like, the prequels are bad. I'm not going to argue that, but they have very mm-hmm. good individual scenes and moments. A lot of them in Revenge of the Sith, admittedly, but I don't know. Pod racing's pretty fun, and can't think of a good one in Attack of Clones, so I'm going to skip right over it. What? A good scene? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Skip right over it. I'll think of something. Um, but Revenge of the Sith, we talked about Padme. Obi-Wan Revenge Jango Fett fight. That's a pretty cool That's fight. a pretty good one, yeah. I mean, okay, in the context of that movie. Yes. Uh, relatively speaking. Relati- yeah, relatively speaking, it's yeah. a good fight. Cause it's, it's, it's one of the least bad moments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Revenge of the Sith, there's Padme's Ruminations, there's the opera scene and the Dark, Darth Plagueis... Pl- Plagueis? Darth Plagueis legend. Darth Plagueis legend. I can pronounce G's. Pronounce G's. I, hang on a second. I gotta really... Just keep talking. I gotta okay. tell people to not show up in my apartment in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but, like, the, the opera scene, the Darth Plagueis legend, that's a fantastic scene. Um, the Darth Maul fight from Phantom Menace. Like, the prequels have genuine moments where you're like, yeah, that was pretty cool. The yeah. rest of these movies might have been crap, but that was that was a pretty decent moment. And the, like, the opening... even more than just, like, mm-hmm. cool scenes, but also, like, something that, like, like the pod race scene, it's character development for the... Yeah. Setting the whole scene for the yeah. for both for the two main characters of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, oh, no. And... Obi-Wan wasn't there. Never mind. Yeah, no, no, no. But no, no. Anakin got... Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. The Hobbit, like, I have been trying to think about it. I cannot think of a good moment that sticks out from those movies. Maybe I'm going on an adventure. Maybe. The, I liked the dwarves singing. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Ha ha! That's fair. I, I do got like him! that. Yeah. Woo! 
I've seen it. I'm done for the day. All right. While we're here, let's talk about the dwarves and how they look like ugly cartoon versions of what felt like very real characters. Let's talk about how they don't look like Gimli looked. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge part of my problem is the... Gimli looks like a fucking dwarf. Yeah. And these people, well, a lot of them look like cartoon dwarfs and then Thorin looks like Mini-Me Aragorn. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Eerily so. With like, a bigger beard and a deeper voice, he is Aragorn. Yeah, like, in the book, okay, he's a noble, deposed king, sure, but he's still a dwarf. It, that big dog pile, when they fall on the on the front porch, Thorin's at the bottom of that. He doesn't show up later being all epic and looking over his shoulder and be like, oh, I'm Thorin, I'm the king. Yeah. And so, uh, it's just, that's a big issue. And, okay, uh, let me get back to what I was going to say, where the another big problem is how just the visual landscape really changes between the two okay in both the case of the prequels and the hobbit versus lord of the rings and i think a big part of that is a function of just they used more cgi in the prequel trilogies in both cases could it also be a a case of where it's set because lord of the Mm -hmm. rings gets significantly like it, it, it is like incontrovertible that uh, it gets darker just because yeah. they're getting to Mount Doom where everything's just gray and bleak and death and sad yes. and gray. Yes. Um, but like, where is the Hobbit set? Uh, it's not set right on the the fucking front door of Mount Doom. No, it's it's like, uh, well, there's, there's Hobbiton and the Shire, and then there's Rivendell, and there's I don't know. But Mirkwood they use the and... same set. F- like, I feel like, well, okay, uh, uh, Rivendell. Well... No, yeah, no, I entirely get what you're saying, actually, mm-hmm. now that I think about it. Like, mm-hmm. using CGI to to digitally build these sets yeah. when they literally built the Golden Palace. Yeah. And all of Rohan. Yeah. Like, these... <laughs> they built Middle-Earth in our backyard yeah, and they, filmed the movie. they made miles of chainmail. They made hundreds of rubber orc suits. Yep. Like, the, the, these practical effects, they look good enough to the eye to feel very real, to feel very present. Yeah. That CGI, it is not to the point where it does. Well, even... Um, even Star Wars did, uh, practical, uh, costumes. Yeah. Like, the costuming was phenomenal. Like, they actually, mm-hmm. like, handmade all of the Wookiee costumes. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, yeah. looking at costumes is another thing. Point for, point for the prequels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although then they also have the problem of everything being shiny and CGI, where it's sort of, uh, gritty and, uh, looks, again, more lived in and more real, more of an organic future. Yeah. of uh the the original trilogy mm-hmm. and so you've got these incredibly fast-paced hyper choreographed lightsaber fights versus the sort of more brutal real feeling ones of the original trilogy yeah. with the exception of the first obi-wan darth well, vader stite which well, yeah two when old you, men poking each other with sticks. i am still not entirely convinced that the epi- that the fight between uh like I- i'm still not convinced that it's not that the prequels established what lightsaber dueling was supposed to be originally mm-hmm. because like, like you said, you got two old men poking sticks at each other. Yeah. Can't really do much. Right. Luke, who's not really trained to actually lightsaber duel mm-hmm. because Yoda didn't act. You never actually saw him do that. Uh-huh. Really was just going ham at Darth Vader. It's true. Like, so you didn't actually see like full training. So I'm not convinced that it's not supposed to be what you see in the prequels. Okay. That's fair. I'll still argue that it feels really artificial because you look at the lightsaber fights from 7 and 8 and they feel much better than the prequel ones, I think. Yeah, okay. Because people have made like those gifs of uh, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan swinging at each other and they'd never hit each other on that course and stuff yeah. like that. It's 
it, it's choreographed to the point where it's like, okay, make it so a 13 year old would think it's cool. But yeah, like when they go, fake. when they, when their lightsabers go down in front of them, where like it definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have actually hit either of their legs. They're just hitting lightsabers to touch dicks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that. And I think the original trilogy, the good fights, the end of empire, the end of Jedi, and then even seven and eight, they feel like real people fighting yeah. instead of actors yeah. choreographed fighting. Uh, so that's, that's another problem that both of them have is they, they don't really know how to how to jive with the the original visual landscape they ain't jiving yep and then even when they do want to use cool visual effects so uh i was thinking for example let's look at like the battle of helm's deep versus the battle of the five armies battle of the five or battle of the battle of helm's deep is beautiful yeah uh-huh. and they have to use some cgi there because you... it's a battle that uses like three different tones in the same battle and it mm-hmm. all seems seamless yeah it's it's beautifully orchestrated and really well put together it's it's character driven but then uh but it's it, it also makes sense as sort of like an actual battle and it's really good visually because you've got all these people in orc suits and sure they've been replicated with cgi so for the wide shots yeah. so you can actually make an army of ten thousand, and there's plenty of effects work but it feels like a real battle battle of five armies is four gray 10,000 sh- strong at least yeah get your fucking quote right okay <laughs> like i said 10 years of nothing but that movie those movies fair enough uh but then you look at the battle of five armies and it's just gray cgi armies smashing into each other and there's no sense of of organization it's not character driven in the slightest uh no that doesn't count when thorin goes off to fight his cgi mini boss orc yeah <laughs> which <laughs> was that azog something like was that, that. that was that the... which here's here's another thing azog that the pre- here's the another thing that the prequels have up over the the hobbit actual decent villains yeah oh yeah darth maul darth maul. great darth sidious mm. oh darth sidious okay yeah um count dooku not so much not so much. There's a good character in there, but they yeah. didn't do him justice. But yeah, Darth Maul's a great sort of secondary villain. He's really cool visually and mm-hmm. uh, sort of the strong, silent type. Yep. And then Palpatine is the great behind Tall, the strings, behind the strings scene puller, and uh, he's he's kind of does sort of the good subtle performance. And then when they let him chew scenery and go full Emperor and Revenge of the mm-hmm. Sith, it's really fun. Yeah. Now, what about the great villains from The Hobbit? I liked it when uh, when you see uh, Smog's eye open. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I will get into that in a second. But let's think about some of these those other villains. I don't remember any of them. Yeah. Azog is made out to be sort Azog of the defiler. The defiler. He's he's made out to be sort of like the main villain of the piece. He just walks into people's offices and just starts pulling their files out of their <laughs> filing cabinet. It's very Fucking rude. Fucking asshole. Thorne is not into People that at all. He's so not okay with that. so much work into filing it alphabetically <laughs> and chronologically by their by those letters. Yeah. And then he just comes in and just like I'm defiling you. And Thorin like. <laughs> You look at him, and everything about him is well-organized. His eyebrows are well-manicured and everything. And so he sees this guy pulling these files, I'm and he's like, I'm not proud of this. This is going to be my arch enemy. <laughs> I am not proud of this. <laughs> this is bad. But so, yeah, so Azog is sort of, they set him up to be like a main villain of the thing, mm-hmm. so they can have sort of a continuous villain throughout the three. But then he wasn't. Problem is, A, yeah, he looks like a, a video game mini-boss from 2005, what was the fight? I I'm drawing a huge blank. What was the fight? Was that supposed to be the the battle? 
No, it wasn't. Never mind. I, I'm mixing up. Probably. Lore. <laughs> no, what? Are you saying it probably was? Probably wasn't. Okay, it was not. Definitely, It definitely wasn't because um, Isildur was not involved in the Battle no, of the no, Primars no. at no, fucking no, 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 all. No. He's been dead for <laughs> so a few long. thousand years. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. I, yeah. Was... <laughs> so Azog's supposed to be a minor villain, but he is not even remotely interesting. Bilbo was in the Battle of Five Armies. Like, there was yeah. no way. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Why did I think remotely that that was I'm, get it, it together it might have been one of those things where like i thought that that was connected before i actually got into the lore of lord of the rings that's, yeah that's and then like now that i actually think back i'm like no yep no that i am missy Doors there i was totally alive <laughs> <laughs> yeah so who else do we got we got sauron to fight gandalf and galadriel and saruman and bird poop face and that's another thing like, going back to the tone conflict, I think it's really cool. Like, oh, they're going to Dol Guldor, they're going to fight Sauron, but they pull up in a rabbit-drawn coach. Scene over. Wait, okay, sorry, what? I missed it. So, they go to, like, Radagast takes Gandalf to Dol Guldor to oh, see yeah. if it's Sauron. Oh, yeah. And they the pull br- up in a rabbit-drawn rabbit- coach. Yes. I'm like, well, this scene no longer can have a convincing tone for me. he's the nature wizard. Isn't a Radagast the brown? Yep, Radagast the brown. And, and you have the blue wizard. Yep. Who we never actually hear. I don't think we ever hear about him, and except maybe. You got the white wizard and the gray wizard. Yep. Who's the last one? Uh, I don't actually know. Fuck. Anyway, yeah, they made they made Radagast <laughs> into the Jar Jar character to appeal to the five year olds. Oh, yeah. he's got bird poop on his face, and he's got a little rabbit jawed sleigh. Isn't he funny, mommy? I want the action figure. Pretty much. But God so damn. that that really hurts the tone of any scene he's in because it ruins the tension. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then there's Sauron. Well, okay, he's a big scary dude, but we know how this is going to go down. He's going to temporarily lose, get banished to Mordor, or flee to Mordor. Wait, hang on. Was was the ne- the necromancer was supposed to be Saruman, right? Sauron. That Saruman fights Sauron. him. Yeah, Saruman oh! fights him. Really? Yeah. A Maiar held, like, fought, full-on fought Sauron? Well, two of them plus Galadriel. Oh. And Elrond. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, and they, also, maybe they can hold their... And also, it's Sauron <laughs> at much less than full strength, because he's that's true. he's not in his home territory, Yeah, and he's been okay, revealed before his time. That's a little more believable. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So then he flees to Mordor. And... But I was like, there's no way that... Because he's a Valar, right? Sauron's a yeah. Valar? Yeah. I, I would not... I think. No. Yeah. Yeah, because he. I don't know. I need to actually read the Silmarillion. I need. I need to go back and actually watch. Like, because uh, all 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 up starts right. with an O. That one starts with an O. Gandalf's name starts with an O. Uh, oh shoot! Um, all of all. I think there's a V in it too. Um, Gandalf. It's not Orodruin. It's not Orthanc. No, it's, it's not, not. Osgiliath. It's nope. not Osgiliath. Oromir. <laughs> nope. Uh, Aloran. 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 That's right. Okay. Yes. But, okay. So, Sauron, and he also doesn't get much screen time, so it's not useful. Okay. If you were to go, do you think that this movie, the lore, would make it slightly more enjoyable, if not for the reason of me going back to watching, like, Batman vs. Superman and Justice League, mm-hmm. just to see all the connections into the lore? Despite the fact that it totally shits all over the book. Yeah, and pokes hole in its own it pokes pokes holes in its own lore. Right, but 
Wait, no. So that no, that wasn't Saruman that's necromancer. So Gandalf never knew that Saruman was bad. Right. Saruman has, isn't even bad at that point. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. that. Okay. That was the hole that I that we thought was poking. Well, no. The hole. The hole is that he knows that Sauron is back. He knows that the One Ring oh, is yeah, tied yeah, yeah, to Sauron. Yeah. Yes. And then, so why is he sixty years later? Like, oh, what's this magic ring that you've got here, Bilbo? I should go investigate. And then. He touches it. He sees the literal eye of Sauron, which, reminder, he saw the literal eye of Sauron 60 years ago when he fought him in a very memorable he's battle old. in a very gray CGI ways. Well, yeah, but, like... He's old. He's actually not old. I think he's the youngest of the Maiar. Probably, but still a thousand <laughs> years old. Like, what's 60 years? It's a drop in the bucket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... According to the Hobbit, he knows what that is, so it breaks its own consistency. But again, my grander point there is Sauron's not a convincing villain either, because he's kind of just a side quest. Yeah. Okay. So, what about Smog? Sure. Supposed to be, like, the main villain of the thing. He's on the cover of most of the editions of the book. Yeah, and he has the final fight, doesn't he? The Battle of the Five Armies doesn't even happen in the the Hobbit, does it? It does. It takes up about half a page, because... The story's all told from Bilbo's perspective, and he gets knocked out early on. That is amazing. Yep. <laughs> what a way to get out of that. <laughs> yeah. It's just like all the armies were marching on each other, and Bilbo was like, oh, the eagles, and then someone conked him on the head. Did the eagles show up in the Battle of the Fire Armies? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, they actually did. At least they kept that. Yeah. I love the eagles. Yep. They're cool. Fly, you fools. <laughs> I, I'm totally on board with that theory. I'm not. Really? Yep. Sounds like the sort of thing Gandalf would say. Get What? Sound like the sort of, if Gandalf wants to say, uh, ride the eagles, he'd he would have said it. He would have said something to that effect. That's fair. And if he wants to say, just go run away, he's not going to say, go run away. He's going to say, fly, you fools. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's, it's Gandalf language. Yeah. Okay, so Smog, yeah, he's supposed to be a good villain. And the scene where we first meet him, where he's talking to Bilbo, that's a pretty good scene. He's probably the most impressive visual effect in the movie. Uh-huh. And, Benedict Cumberbatch gets to go absolutely nuts with it, and it's really yep. fun voice work. Uh, and body work. Yeah. Yeah, he gets really into that. It's really fun to watch the behind-the-scenes yeah. of him crawling, crawling around, snarling. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And that's a that's a really good scene in the book. That's, like, one of my dad's favorite scenes. He pointed this out after we came out of the second movie. That That's a great scene in the book because... It reveals Smog as sort of this really intelligent creature, too, not just this big, massive fire dragon yeah. thing. And so he's kind of just toying with Bilbo, but he's also a little intrigued because it's this new scent that he's mm-hmm. never met before, and it's this invisible creature. So he's like, well, what's going on? I know I'm bigger and stronger than you're not a threat to me, but let's have a little chat, you and yeah. me. And then in the movie, that immediately blows up into a horrific, cartoony action sequence of a dragon completely failing to kill and eat 13 dwarves that by any internal consistency or logic he should have been able to destroy and that scene is nowhere in the book nowhere whatsoever something bilbo says tips him off that uh he came from that he had been in lake town smog takes that as him being a thief sent from lake town he goes to destroy lake town he doesn't even know that there are dwarves there Hmm. and so this entire action sequence where the dwarves hide behind pillars and the fire bends around them and then they construct this elaborate and ridiculous trap made out of melted gold none of that is in the book because it's stupid and it totally ruins smog as a villain because if this massive all-powerful ancient super smart threat can be beaten by this 
silly, childish, nonsensical, unwilling to play by its own rules action sequence, then why should we feel any tension when he's on screen? They'll contrive something whenever he shows up. Like, for example, instead of passing over an incinerating bard, he will land on the rooftops and walk for- towards them for literally a minute, I counted, uh, while he while monologuing, while bard contrives this absolutely ridiculous contraption. Instead of in the book, where bard is just a really good archer, and he sees the weak spot, and he has this arrow that's really lucky, and he's like, okay, I'm going to shoot him in the weak spot. And he shoots him in the weak spot. And that's basically the first time we hear of Bard in the book, too, by the way. He's given no backstory. Oh, really? Yeah. He just kind of shows up. <laughs> and he's like, I'm this cool guy, and I'm going to shoot Smog. And nice. so, so Smog is given half of a convincing scene. And he's a good-to-look-at villain and a good-to-listen-to villain. And then they write him into an utter monstrosity of a children's cartoon villain. And he becomes utterly useless as a villain. So yeah, prequels have good villains. Hobbit just doesn't. So point for the prequels. Point for the prequels. We are beyond an hour. <laughs> okay. Do you have any final points? That I am. You want to... I am probably running out of good stuff to say. Um, <laughs> I mean, if I really sat down and thought about this and had been much more organized in my thinking, I'd probably go for like three hours on this. But I, th- I think I've gotten covered most of the big stuff. Uh, basic point: prequels bad, Hobbit much much worse. What would you rate the prequels and then the and then the Hobbit? Uh, the Hobbit, seventy-eight thumbs down. It's that's fair. It's that bad. Prequels, uh, I don't know, seventy-five thumbs down, two thumbs sideways, and one thumb up for Padme's ruminations. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, yep, that's my point. So the, I heard the beeps. So the Hobbit sucks. Yes, it does. Shall we? We shall. Thanks everyone for listening to me rant about bad movies for too long. Uh, if you're on SoundCloud, uh, follow us there. Do the iTunes thing. You can find us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Just Us Losers Pod. Please tweet at us because we actually need to remember that that exists and start using that account. But yes. we won't unless you interact with it. Uh, If you have some longer thoughts or you want to explain why I'm completely wrong and The Hobbit is actually... If you can justify that The Hobbit is a good trilogy, you need to be committed to a mental institution. But if you can justify that The Hobbit is an okay trilogy, then you're still wrong, but I want to hear your thoughts. So send them to justusloserspod at gmail.com. Yes. Uh... And then tweet at us that you sent us the email because I don't have the the email directly, like, active on my phone. Right. I I go check it every once in a while. And it's mm-hmm. always empty. Right. Except for all, like, our subscription things that we need. Oh, yeah. For, like, all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, check us out on all those platforms. If you have stuff that you want us to talk about in future episodes, um, hit us up there. We're talking Oceans next week in honor of Oceans 8 coming out next week. Yes. We might kind of do – it depends on how long it takes us and how much we have material for. Uh, mm-hmm. We might do kind of like a triple – Triple threat. We'll do maybe Oceans, Pixar, and Jurassic. We'll kind of like talk about those three throughout the next two weeks. Yeah. Because those three movies are coming out in rapid succession. We're getting right. Incredibles, Jurassic World, and Oceans 8. Yep. Um, so we might contrive some sort of reason to talk about all three of those in one movie. <laughs> Whether the Toy Story trilogy or the original Oceans trilogy is better. Or the Jurassic World, Jurassic Park trilogy. Or the original Jurassic Park. Yeah. Hey! There we go. We can talk about trilogies more. Those three specific trilogies. Yes, only those. Uh, I don't know. We'll figure out something. Yeah. So, so if you've got thoughts on one or any of those properties, send them to any of the things I mentioned above. Yep. 
And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.